How many of you actually notice the sign up front, <laughs> the title? <laughs> when, when you come by, whether it's during the week or maybe Wednesday, if I have it up by Wednesday and what have you, do you all think about, I wonder what that sermon is going to be about? I mean, I see the title. I wonder what direction you're going to take with the sermon. If so, I'm glad that you do that. Because I know some of you are like, well, oh, there's a, there's a sign up front. <laughs> so, notice. Stop and think about that title and see if you can ask that question before we even get into the, the sermon itself. If everyone were like me, how would you finish the sentence? I believe how you finish the sentence initially and immediately says a lot about maybe your attitude, the kind of spirit that you, that you have, at least right now. You see, there's a whole number of ways this sermon could go. We could look at it from a cookie cutter, and I'm going to use part of that for the first part of this lesson. Where we can look at the influence, and, and that's going to be the theme of this lesson, the influence that we have on one another. But there's a lot of implications in how we answer that question that tells us our relationship with our God. And that's where the bulletin comes in, by the way. The bulletin is, is based on this sermon, but from a whole different angle. And the title is slightly different. But it lets us kind of take a, a view of ourselves from the standpoint that, in one sense, we're all alike. Every one of us. Before we look at these differences and the influences that we have with each other, we have to realize that God's Word says, and experience will even confirm what the Word of God teaches us and reveals to us, that we all fall short of His glory. No matter how good we may be, and if we were to have a scale of, I don't know, from, from a human perspective, what Christianity looks like, and we say, well, that person, there's a 99, because we know not all, everyone's perfect, we all fall short, so 99. And then we've got that person down there, and that person's one, because that person at least obeyed the gospel, right? So they're one, and everything in between. Sometimes we do that. We compare ourselves by ourselves. And I'd like to think I'm somewhere in the upper echelon of that group, somewhere up higher, not lower, because of who I am and how I view myself. And I might think more highly of myself than I really need to. I might think low of myself. I say, well, I don't want anyone to, to follow in my example because, you know, I'm no good. I've seen a lot of very sweet and humble Christians with that very mindset, and they serve as really good examples in many ways. They don't see it themselves that way. So ask yourself, you know, if everyone were like me, what would they be like? Would they be closer to God or further from Him? And so we're talking about influence, and every single day we influence. Every day. The way you wake up in the morning and, and your attitude as it uh, permeates from you to your family members, and then you drive on, to work, and maybe even on the way to work, your glances at people, or words you say that they might not be able to hear, but they know what you're saying, influences for good and for evil. And the thing is that while we influence, we also are influenced every single day by these very people doing the same thing to us as we do to them. By the way they wake up in the morning, and the way they speak to us or not speak to us, by the way we go to work, and, and every avenue of life, where influence are our influence, and you know the thing is, and this is very true from a biblical standpoint, as far as practical things that we can see in everyday life, 
We try to be more like the people that we like or want to be like. We do it. That's why we choose the friends that we have. Or we choose to hang out and have more acquaintance with certain individuals because, you know, that person, for whatever the reasons you might have, I want to be more like that person. Or I simply enjoy being around them. And it's not that I'm thinking I want to be like them. It's just that I enjoy being around them. And so we're influenced. And we're influenced. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, if you look at the text there, and of course he's talking over here about the headship of male and female and dealing with the head covering, and then he goes on into the Lord's Supper after that. But he basically is telling his brethren that I want you to imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. You know, if we were to look at it from a thin-skinned American perspective, we're going, how arrogant. Imitate me? It's a good thing he added Christ in there, that I imitate Christ. We do, sometimes we think, well, we should never imitate that person because really the only standard we have is Jesus Christ. Was Paul arrogant? I don't believe so. I believe he was a very humble person. He might have struggled with, with arrogance. I don't know. I mean, he was from a great stock in Israel, right? A Hebrew of Hebrews. And what, he was studied under a very studious uh, rabbi, Gamaliel. I mean, we could say a lot about the potential for his service, but he was being very forthright, very honest, very candid, and he says to his brethren, listen, imitate me the way I imitate my Savior, Jesus Christ. Later on, in 1 Corinthians, or before, in 1 Corinthians 10, did he not use the Israelites as the forefathers of which he says, listen, don't follow their example, caught up in their greed and in their lust, caught up in their sins. So we are influenced. And we can see the influence. And that's just common sense among us. The thing is that when we look at these influences, I want you to ask yourself again that you can gauge the kind of influence you are, that you can really take stock. Say, listen, the things that I say, the, thing, the way I think, the way I live my life among my family, among my brothers and sisters in Christ, by the people I come into contact in this world, what kind of influence am I on them? It's that kind of reflection time, if you will, that I, I hope will be beneficial to your walk with the Lord or the relationship that you can have in Him. And I pray that if you're not doing these things, you may be doing harm and not even realizing. So please, take stock of the things that are being said. For instance, when, when we talk about just family, because really, who knows you better than your, your spouse or your children? You know how sometimes some of you might say to me, and I've heard some of you say this to me, Mitch, you're so patient. I need patience. I may be patient with you, but ask my wife how patient I am. Ask my daughters how patient I am. Ask my sons how patient I am. They might say, that needs some patience. Your family members, the ones who are closest to you, they know you better than anyone else. They know what you need. What kind of influence are you to your spouse, your children, to your parents, to your siblings? What kind of influence? You know, we can look at these passages, and again, this is, in my personal point of view, this is more of a cookie-cutter section of this sermon. 
that when you look at these things, I mean, we all know what we should be doing as far as studying God's Word and reading God's Word and praying and, and being spiritually minded. We can look at all these texts. But I, I want you to really get serious about asking yourself, what kind of influence am I? That if I were to be the standard, and I know I'm not, but if I were to be the standard, would my family members be more inclined or less inclined to be reading, let alone the amount of reading concerning God's Word? If I had any influence on them, would they be more or less like the Bereans in Acts chapter 17, verse 11, who studied the Scriptures daily to find out whether the things that were taught were so? Would it be like 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, that we would study to show ourselves approved, or be diligent, if you will, to, to show ourselves approved? Would it be more like that or less, if I am the standard? We look at Hebrews chapter 5. When you read verses 12 to 14, and the passage there is talking about the fact that, you know, you've come to need milk again. Instead, you need to be like those who have their senses exercised that they can discern both good and evil. Verse 14. If I am that standard, is my spouse or my children or my brothers and sisters or my parents, are they going to be more inclined to be growing in the Word of God or less if I have any influence? You stop to think about it because every single day, parents... We influence our children and we let them know how important God's Word is to us or how unimportant it is to us by the words we say. Now, mind you, you can have children that, that really look up to you as a parent and they're going to cling on to your example, your words, and they're going to be more like you. Or they're going to say, I don't want to be like you. I don't want to read or study God's Word. That's their choice. That's their heart. They stand before God. But you have a responsibility as a parent to train up your children in the way they should go. Are you doing so? And if so, what kind of influence are you to do so? When it comes to your praying, yes, the Scriptures say, you know, don't do things to be seen by men. You know, when you go, when you go into your closet, there you go and pray. He's talking about the fact that you are not looking to be seen by men. But I tell you what, your children are a byproduct of your worship before your God, including your life of prayer. Would they be more prayerful, if I can use that term, in their lives, like 1 Thessalonians 5.17, to cease without praying? Would they be more like that or less like that if you are the example? Now, this may be cookie-cutter stuff, but, man, it steps on toes immediately because... If I'm the kind of example, I feel like, man, I better rethink this through again. What kind of example am I to my, to my spouse, to my children? And so we would do that. Are we praying for all men everywhere, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1? Or do we just pray for, you know, just thank you, God, for our food. Amen. Oh, thank you for the day, too. And then move on. Is that our life of prayer? Do we give God glory for so many areas of life? Do we make supplications known to Him? The things that we really need in our lives so that our, our fellowship with Him could be strengthened. Do our children know that? 
Do they see it? Does it influence them in their prayers? We need to think about these things. Or how about when we look at passages like, for instance, in Colossians chapter 3, and I want us to, to, to go to this passage. This one is not as well known, if you will, as passages, other scriptures. But look at what he says here. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things on the earth. Alright, so if, if I'm going to be doing that, I'm more quote-unquote spiritually minded. Do my family members see that I am more spiritually minded? Not because I'm trying to be showy, but as a life in Christ and the influence that I have upon their lives, do they see that and are they influenced by it? These are all very, very important things. There's so many more things that we could be talking about. But you get the general picture. Every single day that goes by, and you're like, oh. and, and we're not going to fit this way, but this is the way we live. I'm too selfish to spend time studying God's Word, to read God's Word, to pray to my Lord and my Savior, to be thinking on things above, to be sharing it with my family members. I'm too selfish. And so every day goes by, and that's the message we send to our family members. Think about that. Or is it such where you have a desire for the Lord, a genuine desire, and they see that, and any child that's seeking the Lord is blessed by that example? What do they see if they're more like you? How about Christians? Period. Those within the body of Christ. Not necessarily those within this congregation, but Christians, period. Haven't we just, in our Bible study in Ephesians 4, and I've mentioned this passage so many times, pretty soon, hopefully it's just, it's in your, your mind every time. The purpose of the church. When you look at verse 11 following, you know, when, when Jesus Christ gave these gifts to his body, with all these members, in which every joint would supply to its building up, in truth, in love, if you will, what kind of influence then, if we are doing these things, are we to one another? Well, stop and think about it. When it comes to coming to worship the Lord, by virtue of the way you worship God, I know, you know, Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25, not forsaking the assembling as is the manner of some, but stirring up loving good works, previous verse, right? Building each other up. If we were to do that, According to Scripture, when we come, what does that look like? When we sing our songs, like we sang exalted this morning, thinking about our Lord and exalting Him, or tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, are we hitting notes? Are we hitting the note right here? Because it's, it's noticeable. When you give yourself and you're praising God in these songs or you're lifting up your Savior in these songs, would brethren be more inclined to worship God in a well-pleasing manner or less likely? I have not looked over here because well, I sit up in the front you know, during a service. Sometimes I'm sitting over there, but my, sometimes I'm in my own world. I'm lost and sometimes I sing so loud. Tony <laughs> I get lost when I'm worshiping the Lord, most of the time, sometimes I'm trying to hit notes. 
going, oh, man, that's, my voice is I've got a frog in my throat, da, 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 whatever the reasons are, and I'm thinking along those lines rather than praising my Lord. But I want you to know, we've had visitors over the course of, since I've been in the Lord, wherever I've been, whether it's in Missouri, over here, in Georgia, wherever, we've had visitors. Some of them, ooh, you sure you love the Lord? That's questions I've heard. Why'd you ask? It doesn't sound like you love the Lord. It's not like you're just all hitting notes, but you're not really singing to praise God. You're worshiping. I thought it's to love one another, to stir each other up through these songs. And then I've heard at times when we are singing that way, I was so glad to be here. I was so glad to praise our God because there was love that was felt. And interestingly enough, you can have two of the same people in the same service from different vantage points. Same the same thing. It's your influence. I'm not worried about us collectively. I'm worried about us individually. Concerned, I should say, individually, because collectively it comes together. What kind of influence do we have when we come to worship our God? Are we here to worship or to punch in the clock? I've been here. I've done that. How about in helping others? Helping one another. Y'all are just the best help to Julie and I and our families. I'm not going to use us as an example, but to each other. How benevolent are you? You know, I heard wonderful things before I moved here, before our family moved here. I've seen wonderful things of benevolence for one another. But I want you individually to ask yourself that question. What kind of influence am I in that I am helping one another? I'm helping my brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, why don't we back up to verse 1, where we, we can fulfill verse 1 and 2, the law of Christ, by sharing one another's burdens. And of course, there's that spiritual connotation that is presented in those few verses there. But when he generalizes as he goes on from verses 9 and 10, and in verse 10 he says, do good to all men, especially the household of faith. What kind of influence are we before one another from that standpoint? Are we that way? And of course, the scripture does say to all men. Yes, it says, especially to the household of faith, but that includes all men everywhere. I kind of had this situation, was it, I think yesterday or day before, or was it yesterday, going up to the listing. We're on the interstate, and right in front of me, I didn't see it happen initially, but a car just flew off the side of the interstate. And into the, in between the, I don't know what, the ditch, the ravine, I don't know what it's called, sliding everywhere. I thought, this car's going to flip. And of course, you got all those orange things, right, to block you from going off the side of the road. And part of me, like, we're going 70 miles per hour. How do I weed so I can get into the thing and stop it? By then, we're past. And what do we do? Fortunately, I saw these people, I couldn't tell if it was male or female, that they were okay. I'll tell you, what a great opportunity to stop by if you have the means to stop. And it's one thing, yeah, good, I hope they get help. Move on. What kind of influence are we upon our brothers and sisters in Christ, upon people in this world? These are things that are very, very important. And when we talk about spreading the gospel, where Jesus says in Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20 in particular, when he says to go into all the world and preach the gospel, 
if we are to influence one another, are we more or less inclined? If people are to be more like me, you ask yourself that question. Are they more inclined to be sharing the gospel? Teaching the good news? Or less likely? You stop and think about these things. There's so many areas that we could have looked at. But these are very important. But I'm going to tell you right now. It is my estimation, whether it's because I personally struggle in these areas or that you struggle in these areas, that sometimes we look too low or too high about ourselves and not just right there in the center. Sometimes that we get this air, and I was asking Julie, what was the name of the ant in that movie called Pollyanna? Because she was the perfect representation, I thought. It was Aunt Polly. I didn't know she was named after Aunt Polly, by the way. So Aunt Polly, she is just polished, right? She's got it all together. How many of you have even seen the movie, first of all? Because for you, it's kind of a newer thing. Okay, some of you. Anyway, there's this movie, Pollyanna, and then, of course, that's where you're just like Pollyanna. Everything is all good and, and wonderful in life. Well, here's her aunt. She's perfect. Apparently, she studies her Bible because she knows the passages, goes to the preacher every week, and I think these would be good thoughts for the sermon on Sunday. Let the town know, town know how good she is and that she helps because it's her duty. And she has a great influence on the people of that community. Sometimes there are brethren that they fit that category. They do all the right things. It's their duty. Rather than, as we were looking at in the auditorium this morning, that I'm looking out for your interest. I genuinely seek the good for you and for your life. And that the things that I do, I do to glorify my God in strengthening you as my brothers and sisters in Christ. That to me is the most important thing. And that's why we have this line. This to me is not the cookie cutter. This is the part that I want you to really focus on. And the others will come and fall into place, I believe. I want you to, to understand that being a good influence for our family and brethren is not the goal. That's not the goal. That's hopefully motivation for something great. Our whole lives are centered around glorifying our God. It's not, look at how good I am, and I hope you can be just like me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you know? It's, I want you to look at God, and I want you to glorify your God. And if I can be the reflection, some sort of reflection, Matthew 5, verse 16, that when you look at the things that I'm doing and the way that I'm living, that you turn right to God and you give Him the glory for. In my opinion, that's the goal. That's the crux of why we do the things that we do, to be the example that we are supposed to be for each other. We need to know that our influence should be within air, a quality of humility, not self-righteousness. When you look at Luke chapter 18, verse 10 and through 14, remember here's a Pharisee and here's a tax collector and they're praying before God. How'd the Pharisee pray? I thank you, God, I'm not like that over there next to me. 
Or is it more like that tax collector who could not even lift his eyes and look toward the heavens to see his God? And asking God for mercy. Who did Jesus say went away justified? The man with humility. Sometimes we get this picture that, you know, because I'm a good influence and because I have influence over your life, start doing things my way. And this church will be so much better. Now, maybe there is a ring of truth to that statement. But the arrogance behind that has no place in the walk of a servant of the Lord. No walk. Worthy of the call. We need to have humility and that humility motivates us toward one another. And that's why 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we'll look at this as the last passage in 1 Corinthians 13. Of course, the very first three verses, we know verse 4 following about what love is. It's kind and patient and, and all the wonderful characteristics that manifest itself showing love. But I want you to see the very first part of this. And this is the part I want you to take home with you when you try to be the kind of influence that God wants you to be. Paul says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. In other words, if I have these spiritual gifts, but I don't have love, profitless. It's like noise rather than beautiful music. He says in verse 2, and although I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Imagine having a Bible class teacher in this room and he could just teach every single thing. He perfectly understands the Word of God. But he doesn't have love. No good. If he has a kind of faith that could move mountains, you talk about faith, but he doesn't have that kind of love that he needs to have, doesn't matter how much faith he has, how much knowledge he has, nothing. Good for nothing. He goes on to say in verse 3, And although I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. I can do all the good things in the world. I can be the best Bible reader, the best Bible student. I can pray more than anyone else here. I can go down that checklist and say, look at me. I'm doing so good. But if I don't have love, if I don't have that humility with that love, I am profitless to not only you, but to myself. I've missed the whole picture of belonging to Christ and being in Christ. That's what I want you to take heed of. You see, when, when you look at that overall picture, when you can be the kind of influence that God wants you to be, and you do it as a servant of the Lord, going and with the purpose of, of glorifying your God, the ones that want to be influenced by you, they will be. They'll be encouraged by you. And they'll give their life to the Lord to glorify Him. Others won't. You can't force them. You can't force a heart to be converted to the Lord. You can influence You can teach them what is right, but you need to have the attitude of Christ. That's what we're looking at this morning. 
pray that's the kind of attitude that you'll have. The attitude of subservient obedience to your Lord and your Savior that glorifies Him and influences those who are in this world. Your brothers and sisters in Christ and those outside the world.